0: Weekend Mornings with Glenn Van Zutphen. Replay from Money FM 89.3.
1: Our guest in studio today is somebody who probably would be familiar to most of our listeners Akshita Nanda, a former Straits Times columnist in the life section, especially, but she does other things as well, including her new book, Beauty Queens of Bishan. And this is just a fascinating. Concept to me. Uh, welcome, Akshita. Great to have you here this morning.
2: Thanks. It's really nice to be here.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, give us a give us an overview, of the synopsis, and then we're going to drill in on some questions about how this came about and what it what it means to the reader.
2: Great. Thanks. So, Beauty Queens of Bishan is one of the first hundred books brought out by the new arm of Penguin Random House set up in Southeast Asia. Oh. <laughs> so, it was quite a coup for me to be on that list. It's about something that anybody in Bishan would be very familiar with. There are at least twenty beauty parlors there in a one kilometre square radius Hmm. and they're always packed like in between, I used to be a journalist with the Straits Times and in between assignments if I just wanted a quick touch up It was always very difficult to find a parlor that would take me because there were just women queuing up to go in. And it made me wonder, how is it possible that 20 businesses managed to keep going and even flourishing during times of economic crisis? What is this huge appetite we have for beauty? And how do they all coexist without pricing each other out of the market? So, of course, I had to do research. So for the next 10 years, I went to almost every beauty parlor (laughs) and got lots of manis, pedis, facials. It was research.
1: Of course it was. (laughs) You didn't want to do it. You had to do it. I had to do it. And that's when I
2: realized that beauty parlors are just insanely contradictory and wonderful. They're very safe spaces for women to be themselves, to be pampered, to not be mummy or, you know, an office worker or anything, just to be themselves and be princesses. But they're also very intimate, intrusive spaces because your beautician knows everything about you, whether you're balding, whether you've gained weight. And I just thought it would be fun to also write a kind of reality TV sort of story. So the crux of beauty queens of Bishan is all these rival beauty parlors and they have candidates in the same beauty pageant.
1: Ah. So who's
2: going to win? Is it going to be Candy Kang, who is a former media corp star turned mm. a billionaire belle, or is it going to be this lawyer called Tara Chopra, who is basically she's very good at what she does at law, but she can't understand why her kids are obsessed with following Candy Kang on Instagram and want to be fashionistas? <laughs> uh, so
0: fiction, fiction. we, we got to make sure that's clear. At yes, the beginning.
2: very, very yeah. clearly fiction. Yeah.
0: So, so the beauty pageant element—it sounds like you're commenting slightly on the political scene globally the beautification of politics, maybe even social media for that, media generally, the beautification of media. You can't just be a journalist anymore. You've got to be a pretty journalist or a handsome journalist. You know, presidential Absolutely. Uh, elections. Was that was that a, a, a thinking? So, yeah?
2: so um, I started writing Beauty Queens of Bishan around the time that my first novel, Nimita's Place, was being published. It was shortlisted for the Epigram Books Fiction Prize, which is Singapore's biggest literary prize in terms of money for fiction. And while I was waiting for the book to be out, my agent said you you know, you're not content with just having a full-time job as a journalist, go write something else. And of course, the US presidential election was on everybody's minds. And I could not miss how so much of the rhetoric about the female candidates, especially Hillary Clinton, they had to, you know, she had to be likable. If she wore a dress, she was damned. If she wore a pantsuit, she was also damned because people were looking at the price tag. And the conversation around the male candidates, which was just not focusing on how they looked mm. and how they presented themselves, not sure. as much. And beauty pageants are just this thing which have been very much in the forefront of my consciousness. My grandmother used to love watching Miss Universe. It's always a big thing. you know. Who's going to be Miss Singapore World? Who's going to be Miss Singapore Universe? Who's going to represent mm. the country? What dress are they going to wear? And beauty pageants basically get down to the heart of how women are perceived and they're popularity contests but they're also contests that are already rigged because we have certain expectations of what makes someone beautiful, what makes someone likeable. So you're absolutely right it was a sort of overall commentary on something that was happening globally but it's also just a bit fun you know.
0: Yeah yeah but uh, absolutely yeah. of course it is. <laughs> Any relevance to Singapore, that beautification process, do you see it here in the media, in the arts or is it less of an issue here than it's, it would be? Oh, so
2: it's, I think it's very much less of an issue in Singapore and that's something I wanted to bring out in the book that um, Singapore is not perfect. But by golly, we try harder than most people. Mm. We really try harder. We make a lot of mistakes. But when they are pointed out to us, we do try harder. Mm. And I covered the arts for many years, especially theatre. So if you look at the people who act in the theatre, various body types, various yeah. skin colours. Now, of course, even within there, there are some issues because, you know, lighting is different for people with different skin colours. Mm. And there is also still in a lot of people's minds, Not, I'm not saying in the minds of the theatre makers... But in the minds of the audience, there's a certain expectation as to how maybe somebody who's fairer will be expected to be cast in a leading role. Also, how somebody who speaks Singlish should not be in a leading role. If we're in a a leading role, we should be speaking proper English of the Mm. kind that not even is spoken in England, maybe. You tell me, Neil. (laughs) No, I'm fascinated
0: (laughs) you say that because Singapore also paradoxically has that reputation for being very blunt. You know, the classic aunties at the Chinese New Year reunion dinner. Mm. Why? Wow, you're very fat. Huh? You lost a lot of weight. Huh? You did this. You did that. We can be very blunt when it comes to people's uh, physical appearance as well, can't we?
2: Yes. And that was actually I'm one. I'm sure of it's th- in your book. Very much <laughs> so. In fact, there are lots of aunties in my book. Mm. A lot of the book is about that parent-child or mother-daughter, aunt-niece relationship where women sort of set the standards for how everybody else should behave. The Asian woman has a lot of power, especially as she ages. She sets norms, you know, and she believes that certain other rules don't really apply to her, but everybody else should comply with them. <laughs> so, you know, like the the woman who starts one of the beauty parlors, her mm. name is uh, Manpreet Kaur, and uh, she gives the parlour over to her niece, but she keeps telling her niece, you better lose weight, you're an advertisement for your own parlour and you're so fat.
1: Mm. So, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The uh, The book itself, you're going to be uh, at the Moon Bookstore That's uh, right. today at 37 Mosque Street from 2 to 5. Is that correct? That
2: is absolutely correct. Signing,
1: reading. What are you, what are so, you going to be doing uh, what's,
2: exactly? Uh, so the Moon Bookstore is this wonderful independent bookstore that supports um, female and minority writers. Mm. And uh, Sarah Naeem and her team just love beauty queens of Bishan and they wanted to curate an event around it that sort of celebrates different aspects of beauty. So we've got art therapy sessions. You can sign up to do art therapy with oh. Akila. Mm-hmm. Um You can get henna tattoos done by Rekha Vivek of Reks Beauty Care. Yes. And I've invited uh, two of my very dear friends, uh, Adam Azali, who is a very well-known Malay singer, songwriter and artist, as well as Zelda Tatiana Ng of Ground Zero Theatre mm. to talk about Beauty standards in their respective art streams mm-hmm. and also about community building because we don't just operate in a vacuum in Singapore, we mm. do try and learn from each other. And Adam is a dancer. So he has told me in the past how he's had to be on an 800-calorie diet. just. Oh, my spe- gosh. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Because, it's you know, like the camera easily adds— less
1: than half or yeah. more yeah. than uh, the normal
2: Absolutely. And Zelda is just amazing. You know, she used to be a manager for Cirque du Soleil Asia, and then she came back to Singapore and is starting again from ground zero. Yeah. And theater, I think, has been very welcoming to her, but, you know, she's not— She's not what you would consider your typical theatre star. We have okay. these mental images of mm. this very thin, beautiful, San type. But Zelda just has this amazing presence and she does such fantastic things. I wanted her to talk about her mm. art and what it is like to move in the world as a woman.
0: So here's a chicken and the egg question for you based on the, the work you did for your book on beauty society or media when it comes to beauty because I'm fascinated by this subject I've written about it a bit myself you know if you go back to some of the earliest artefacts were found Neolithic artefacts pre-Roman pre-Greek artefacts the woman depiction of the beautiful woman was a very large woman voluptuous woman because Mm. that meant fertility it also meant you were alive you know (laughs) if if you made it to adulthood and you were fertile that was a very beautiful trait so if you look at some of the earliest recorded statues we have in human history of women very large ladies it was, that was a sign of beauty Victorian e- uh, era larger ladies then you go to then you've got Asian and Western differences in the West to be tanned is a beautiful thing because it's a sign of affluence right. in parts of Asia to be pale is a sign of affluence because it means sure. you're not working outdoors right. and therefore that's a big deal to Japanese Indian and Chinese communities sure. so so Society or media?
2: So this is the thing. You've hit the nail on the head, Neil, that um, beauty has always been congruent with affluence. Mm. In the past, when affluence meant you could eat a lot, fat was beautiful, voluptuous was beautiful. Today, it's not enough just to control your diet and be a particular size. You also have to have muscles in the right place and no muscles in the right (laughs) place. And this is a very key element in my book. It talks Mm. about the rich-poor divide. Would we be comfortable would we ordinary Singaporeans be comfortable sharing a beauty parlour with our domestic help for example Mm. this is a topic that comes up you know why shouldn't they also have the right to the same services but we do sort of believe that these are maybe reserved for us that luxury means not having to talk to certain kinds of people Mm. and another key element in my book is Instagram and social media and that relentless pressure especially on our children to constantly film and photograph themselves and put those images up for public consumption Mm. so the children of the right beauticians are actually schoolmates and in the same canoeing team oh. they're both daughters and both their mothers don't quite understand why they want to be out in the sun getting dark right mm. and at the same time there's a lot of you know their team wants their their teacher wants them to be very healthy but there's a lot of pressure on them also to look slim to look pretty to look fair and they're just children. And they have to cope with this. And it's terrible. Random strangers could be posting on a 10-year-old child's Instagram saying, you're fat.
1: Yeah. That's
2: horrible. So there is this very close relationship between society and media because what media sets as the narrative is what society will eventually be driven to accept because these are the images they see. And that's why Beauty Queens of Bishan was such an important book that I really wanted to write. I wanted to represent Singapore as it is in all its glory with the Singlish, with the multiple races and ethnicities. And yes, we sometimes get it wrong, but we really do try to come together Mm. as a community.
1: I've been speaking with, Akshita Nanda, the author author of Beauty Queens of Bishan. Akshita will be at the Moon Bookstore today on 37 Mos- Mosque Street from 2 to 5 p.m. Akshita, thanks so much for coming and being on uh, Money uh, Weekend Mornings with us.
2: Thank you so much, Glenn and Neil. This has been amazing.
0: Thank you. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.